The following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. back to the Starry Night Theater podcast. I'm your host, Alex. I'm your other host, DJ. And this episode is sponsored by the one and only JDS Electrical, Inc., licensed and insured. Call 716-523-2711 for all your electrical needs. A little bummed out you didn't introduce yourself as Alexandra this time. I thought that was a one-time thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. Whatever. Maybe we'll next time. That. We'll go with that. Maybe yeah. every other. Yeah, pepper it in every now and okay, again. Okay, okay. <laughs> That's what I look forward to every time we come here now. Okay. Will she say My, my she full name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so something we didn't talk about last time that I had written down to talk about, and uh, it's my brain, so it didn't come out. Um, shout out to Carla for completely redoing the website. Um, it looks beautiful. It looks I mean, so she good, did a great Carla. Job. Yeah, she really did. She did a fantastic job. And. Um, She's she originally did it and then now retouched Updated. it up. Yeah, I don't know when she originally did it, but it looked beautiful before and now it's even better. So shout out, thank you for thank you, what Carla. you do. Uh, I think that was it, right? That was it. Yeah. So you go. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> we okay. talked about Alex. We have to l- listen back and see who no, no, introduced no, 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 more no, no, guests. No, 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 it's definitely you. I know, I know. That for sure. <laughs> I know. I pro- I want to say I've introduced like. Two, to be honest, like, <laughs> like three. <laughs> oh, no. Okay, well, our guest for today, you have already heard from the lovely Casey. She's here again. Hi, I'm happy to be back. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming. And now you can hear from Taylor. Hi, I'm Hash Brown Taylor. Yeah, yes. <laughs> Hashtag justice for Taylor's hash oh, browns. Yeah. <laughs> I was just oh, about to God. mention that, so I'm so glad you said something. Well, I have not physically been here or vocally been here, but in spirit, I feel like I have been here. Yeah. You, oh, you definitely it. have. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think that is like one of the most notorious beef sessions of all time on this podcast, probably. <laughs> now, let's let's get a little piece of that. How did How did you feel? <laughs> when you watch your hash browns getting devoured in front of you. <laughs> I kid you not, I started holding back tears. <laughs> she really was. I was sitting right next to her. I was just exhausted, and they already got my order wrong to begin with, so it didn't look right. Look, yeah. Um, and just, I, I was convinced that, okay, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this is his order, and my bad. Because the wor- waiter was working hard. He didn't really know where everybody's seat was. I'm like, okay. And it was the look of realization from Joey that really drove it home. And I just, I had to laugh. Like, that was real life in that moment. And I couldn't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> but there were tears. <laughs> Did you get any hash browns? I got half my hash browns. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then yeah. he, 
And then Joey ate his actual. <laughs> he ate like he half ate of like his, a little bit, and of then his own. moved and the then... rest over. But at that point, I'm like Joey, I don't just keep your hash browns. Like, no, 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 no. Let me, let me, let me give it to you. I'm like, all right, thanks. And it was the eye contact that did it for me. He just he shoved half it off onto your plate, and then with the plate still in the air, just shoveled the rest <laughs> into his mouth without breaking eye yep. contact. <laughs> this man is a fiend. <laughs> <laughs> God, I love that kid. He's an aching boy. What can you say? <laughs> oh my God! Shout out to Joey. Shout out Joey. He's like in college. He's like at his college dorm room right now. So unsuspecting. <laughs> He's probably shoveling in more hash browns. Yeah, probably. it is a Sunday. Every, it's Sunday morning. morning. Yeah. yeah, I expect nothing but that from him. Now. <laughs> <laughs> now, if he comes to the show. Instead of bringing you flowers or something, he should bring you a whole yeah. thing of hash browns. Hell He's not yeah. even in the state. Honestly, if anybody comes to the show, instead of bringing me flowers, I will accept the hash browns. He's literally not in the state. It's never going to happen. Where do you okay, go? Okay, so yeah, you, the He's listeners, college. need to bring yeah, me the where? hash browns instead. Uh, North Carolina? I, I forgot. <laughs> he definitely told me multiple times. <laughs> a bad friend. But uh, yeah, he's in a dorm, like in a totally different state. Mm-hmm. So I don't Good think that's going to happen. Well, you know what? If you listen to the podcast. That's true. Like, oh, I'm going to text him. I'm going to be like, <laughs> you need to listen. <laughs> he's going to be like, oh, no. <laughs> he's going to know exactly what's up. <laughs> well, now we've heard Taylor's side of the story. Thank we've you, heard- Taylor. Yeah. Thank you for your bravery in reliving that experience. <laughs> Thank you. We might need to go off air for a few minutes here. To <laughs> collect ourselves. Myself. <laughs> ourselves. <laughs> um, all right, this is a nice transition. Let's just get right into our our beefs. Somebody else can start if they want, or I can start. Oh, I have a beef. Go for it. And it's a brand new, newfound beef. So, I left teaching within like the past month, and I've been applying to jobs. Now, everybody here has gotten phone scammers. Everybody here has gotten email scammers. Have you heard of job scammers? <laughs> what? Oh, this is real. So what they do is they take your resume off of Indeed. They call you saying, hey, we're so excited to hire you. We want to give you this interview opportunity. Um, you just have to log into the, the blah, 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 blah. And it's a scam. I have been hit by it twice now. Oh One God. where they had me um, go onto a Zoom call and it was like a whole production. I kid you not. This guy, this bald guy at this big old desk Jared. with an emblem. <laughs> 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 with a giant um vinyl emblem behind them with like professional lighting <laughs> on him i'm like looking at this i'm like your head's not shining right now so i know that this is completely staged <laughs> but i'm l- listening to it and i can't see anybody else that's in the zoom call except for this one and then like red flags are popping up in my head i'm like okay this isn't right so i log off i research the company a little bit more nothing there was nothing about him. like how the hell did they get my resume so anyway fast forward this happened again on Friday where I got a phone call from somebody saying, hey, we have an exciting job ap- opportunity for you. Are you available at 10 o'clock tomorrow? Um, the address is this on Sheridan Drive. Come on out. Go somewhere? Oh, God. Well, <laughs> they sent me the details on email, and it was from a Gmail account. So I was like, okay, first of all, that's weird. Yeah. They spelled Sheridan Drive wrong. <laughs> and if anybody Oof. knows me, I can't spell. So for me to find a misspelling is bad. <laughs> So then I call him back. I'm like, wait a second. I don't remember even applying for this place. I call him back. <laughs> no voicemail. There was no voicemail activated. The person ended up calling me back being like, hey, what's up? Um, I missed your phone call. My bad. And 
I'm like, well, honestly, I'm going through Indeed. I'm going through ZipRecruiter, and I don't see where I applied for you. How'd you get my resume? Oh, we just talk, took it off li- offline because we thought that you were a great candidate because you were applying to these other jobs that were very similar, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, well, what do you do? And she's like, well, this is a wonderful opportunity for you where you can sell. I'm like, stop. <laughs> <laughs> so look out. Job scammers are real. I looked into this further, and what the whole premise behind it is that they will hire you, so you fill out all of your personal information on the hiring sheet with your oh, social security number, God. and they'll steal your identity. That's messed up. <laughs> so it's a it's a thing that I didn't know existed, but it does. So scammers are elevating. That's crazy. That's actually horrifying. Mm-hmm. I I got my social security number taken, and I don't know how. But I got a notification like, yeah, it's been sold on on the dark web. It's been sold on. So <laughs> how does one get a notification for that? It's, Is that that almost sounds like a scam to me? Yeah. No, if it's I on... got notified <laughs> that my social security number was still. I'd be like, someone is scamming me. Like yeah. that sounds fake. It's on Credit Karma, oh. and it like you go through like the okay. alert things, and it's like you're. It was like February of 2021. Okay, like okay. somebody yeah. purchased your social security number on the dark web. <laughs> Okay, great. Thank you. How much you. did it go for? I, I it didn't give me that, <laughs> but I think it, it either it, it got my social security number wrong, or it's giving me all the other guy's information who bought it. I have his name, I have his license plate, and I have where he lives. Scammer gets scammed. Like, <laughs> thanks, credit card. That's a great podcast episode, like getting revenge on the person who stole DJ. Podcast on the road. So we are going to go to this person's house and ask them how they purchased your yeah, yeah. number. Ask the burning questions that the people want to know. Exactly. Now, what if we just walked in and it was me? <laughs> and he just completely had my identity. Oh. That... Have your dad write that? That's a that's a play right there. Yeah, yeah. We want to see that on stage. <laughs> Starring yourself. Yeah. We just need yeah, to find yeah. your doppelganger. We can totally do it. Just get a just get a mirror. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Great acting on both sides. Yes, yeah. People have said I look like Post Malone, so maybe we'll give him a, a shout out. Oh, yeah, there we bring go. Post, yeah. Bring Posty in. You'd have to get a few face tattoos, though, yeah. to match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't see it, but I don't know. Maybe that'll be a match. I don't know. I think the only difference between you and Post Malone is that he has the one ring card for Magic that's the true. Gathering right now, and that's that's the only difference. That's both true. Both of you do stuff mm. on stage. Both of you perform. We were selling stuff like that like crazy at my work, and everyone's like, we got it. Like, we all should pitch in and get this ring. I'm like, dude, I, no. <laughs> I'm not doing that. I don't care. It was a big card thing. Mm. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Shout out Post Malone. <laughs> <laughs> little, so random. Little known artist out there. Yo, you got to tag him in the, like, your Instagram <laughs> when you post this. <laughs> That's true. Okay, I'll put at, at. I don't think I follow him, so I'll, I'll follow him first. <laughs> I might look bad. Maybe yeah, I'll do yeah. a concert at the theater. <laughs> <laughs> that would be sick. For free. Yeah, for, I mean, come on. You can sell you can sell Ghost Malone shirts then. Oh, Ghost Malone. oh my god! Oh, we make need, it happen. <laughs> make it happen. First of all, Ghost Malone, if you're listening to this podcast, we need to make merch happen, and we yes. need to make that. Happen. I do have a Ghost Malone sweater that I wear for Halloween spooky times. Oh, I love oh, it. Oh my god, DJ, I know you have your Halloween costume planned already, <laughs> but. <laughs> For your consideration, <laughs> if you dress up as Post Malone and we drew like Post Malone's tattoos on you <laughs> yeah. and just like tagged him in a bunch of posts, you know how celebrities like see that yeah. stuff and and write like a whole sob story about like <laughs> how this we want poor him to guy do. lost his social security number. 
<laughs> Come and fundraise for our theater, please. <laughs> Thank you, Post Malone. <laughs> I'll have to think about that one. <laughs> Shout That's out. A good one. Yeah. Yeah. Now we'll definitely have to tag him. He seems like a real genuine guy, so like I'd love to meet him sometime. That would be cool. Yeah, he seems like a cool guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. <laughs> well, beef. Who wants to go I'll, next? I'll go next. Okay, please it. let me know if I've already mentioned this beef because I don't know if I have. I think I've just gotten so frustrated with myself so many times that I'm like, I've said it to so many people. Did I say it on the podcast? Right. Yep. Um. So, <sighs> cashiers. No, that's new. That's a new start. What I'm gonna say. <laughs> um, bagging groceries. The I'd... way that they bag gro- – there's a certain way to bag groceries. The fragile stuff goes on top like eggs and bread. I don't want my eggs to break. I don't want bread 100%. to be, squ- be squished. 100% correct. I, I think in the last year I've had one good cashier who knew how to like organize the groceries and <laughs> yeah, each yeah. bag. But every time some some cashier just doesn't get it right – and they put all the fragile stuff. The, like, let's say I get cilantro. That's at the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> Squish the cilantro. Come on. See, I'm I'm loving this because I always sound like the old cranky one. And now <laughs> you have fully taken that so wait, for today. <laughs> I have a quick question. Where do you go to, like, a specific and, and grocery store? The Wegmans. I was Trader about to Joe's, say, I feel, like, I feel like Wegmans is, like, the better. I feel like I get more cashiers at Wegmans, even though, honestly, I don't even remember the last time a, a cashier bad my groceries. <laughs> I beeline right to the self-checkout, honestly. Every I time. I don't even want to deal with a human. Like, when I'm done grocery <laughs> shopping, is, I just want to be done. <laughs> the only reason why I go to someone most of the time is because my mom would always go to someone, and she'd be like, that's their job, like, they have a job there for a reason. Like, we shouldn't be taking more jobs away for the self-checkout. I respect that. I just, yeah. yeah. I, no, I, I, go to self-checkout. I have yeah. mixed feelings about that statement. <laughs> I also, and I would like to get into this. <laughs> because, all right, in my humble opinion, I feel as though, are there jobs that should not get replaced by robots? Yes. But if you are a cashier dealing with BS all day long with these people when you could just be stocking stuff on the shelves yep. as somebody who's worked in the um, retail and also in the food service I would much rather always be doing the stuff in the back end so that's a personal thing for me but I understand like there's some people who cannot operate these machines yet who have, are a little bit lost in the time that still need the che- um, checkout mm-hmm. counters with the people checking them out but as far as like taking away the jobs, I don't know if that's as big of a concern as what it used to be. Yeah. Because so many things have become automated. <laughs> but that's just taking away jobs in general then. Like all mm-hmm. of... Okay. Yeah. I just... I, less. I like how it is now where it's like if you have like over 20 items you're supposed to go to a cashier. Then nobody follows. And nobody follows, <laughs> which is like... if Now, if I worked at one of these places, I would stand guard... <laughs> At those <laughs> those self checkouts and count every item in that cart. That I can get behind. <laughs> yes, that no. See, that's a job that should be given out. That's mm-hmm. a whole brand new job. You're hiding the cilantro. No, 
boom. Oh, yeah. Alex is definitely the grumpy one in this conversation. (laughs) Okay, Okay, Deej. Okay, sure. Likely story. Every beef session, though, I come in and I'm just like, I'm giving it. What? I have beef? What are you talking about? No, you do have beef, but like, I feel like it's just like normal beef, like natural beef. Like, this is an old person beef, and I I love it. I love it. DJ, I think you do a great job as the person who checks receipts at the end of Walmart and like (laughs) just sparingly (laughs) handing out the stickers to be like, here you go. <laughs> yes. Have a good day. I would love that, actually. I saw the guy who does that at the NT Walmart. I saw him walking, like, completely disconnected from Walmart, and I was like, it was like a celebrity sighting, I felt. <laughs> like, I know this guy. Why? Like, this is so cool. He's He's got a life. Because he's always there. So, like, mm-hmm. do they let this guy go home ever? And I saw him home. And not all Walmarts have that anymore. Yeah. Like, that's a shame. Well, a lot of that's times, true. like, I live in Niagara. Well, we both live in Niagara Falls, yep. me and Taylor both. And it's so funny because I'm going to put this little tidbit in. I live in Niagara Falls, right? I have zero friends in Niagara Falls. I literally do nothing in Niagara Falls. I don't work there. My friends don't live there. <laughs> I do all of my theater and music in Buffalo or North Ottawa. So Taylor is, like, my very first, like, Niagara Falls friend <laughs> and it's so much fun like we can carpool places <laughs> I don't ever have that experience my favorite experience we had was when we lined up um, behind each other in the McDonald's drive through after yes rehearsal. after rehearsal <laughs> and we actually mm-hmm. said to each other we're like see at the McDonald's drive in and we were like yep, yep. <laughs> <laughs> so that's been a lot of fun that's just like a little brief anecdote that I had to put in there but yeah the Niagara Falls one you can confirm or deny they just stand there they, like, barely say hello or goodbye to you. You're lucky if they, like, even acknowledge your existence. They literally just stand there. I'm like, what? And does I does your supervisor that. ever walk by to see that you're literally <laughs> not even, like, looking at people? Like, what is happening? I used to DoorDash there, and that would be – I would DoorDash from, like, the hours of, like, 12 to, like, 2 or 3 or something, whatever. And I would just farm that one because that was, like, the only one – like late open late enough and like this was during covid so like yeah they they wouldn't talk to you at all they just like not look at you put your food out the window i'd take it and deliver it and then literally just come back to that one and keep going yeah it's i don't i don't really know what's going on at that walmart there's oh walmart i thought you're talking about mcdonald's (laughs) oh you're oh we did talk about mcdonald's we were talking about two different okay my fault oh the mcdonald's there don't even get me started with the mcdonald's in niagara falls because they don't look at you either don't even get me started i don't know i mean like i feel like everyone has that experience where it's like really late and they just want a burger like it's like yep. 12 or one o'clock or 2 a.m maybe you were drinking or having a good time or like maybe you were stressed and like had a bad day i don't know but if you are at a mcdonald's in the drive-in at like 12 o'clock at night or something like that you just really want mm-hmm. your your food right and the way that they have you wait also the one on niagara falls boulevard in niagara falls has two drive-in lanes and they don't keep track of which one is which. <laughs> so, like, they'll, like, okay, so let's say one lane we call lane one and then lane two. They'll take, like, three or four people at a time in lane one. So you could be sitting there for literally ten minutes and watch someone that just drove up two seconds before. And I'm really bad at, like, 
intuiting like which lane they're gonna take next so it's literally like russian roulette if you're gonna be in the in and it changes it's not even consistent it's not even like they favor one over the other they're literally such a hot mess that they just like they have no perception whatsoever of who they're taking next so it's literally just like you you're you're like about to pick a lane and you're like which one do I pick? Because even if it's the longer one and they just keep going through it yeah. and you're sitting there for 15 minutes at the other one. So that's a beef that I wasn't planning on talking about. <laughs> and then they're so rude to you too. Like they're so rude. That. You could be waiting 30 minutes for a McDonald's burger and they still have the audacity to be rude to you. <laughs> that's what I was talking about. And yeah. Like when like, I was DoorDash. But it's not even rude. Like they don't look at you. Like it's literally rude. Like I will... And they still manage to get the food wrong. Or, like, the one guy, there's one guy. I don't know if you've had experience with this guy. There's one guy, and I can see his face in my mind right now. He has no idea what's going on. Absolutely zero idea what's going on. He'll be like, uh, do you have um, yes, uh, yes. 10 chicken nuggets and a Coke? No, And you're like, no, I don't. No, I had a double quarter pounder. And he's like... Uh, did you have uh this iced tea? And I just like, is that what I just said I had? And then he'll go through three different orders. Yep. And I'm like, and then you have to say it like really loud and slow. And then he's like, uh, okay. And then he hands you the food, and it's still the wrong order. And I'm like, this is not my order. And he's just like looking at me like. Uh, okay, sorry. And then, like, <laughs> I can't see another. Like, every time I see him, I very closely examine my food because <laughs> not, he, first of all, does not know your order, has to go through multiple, goes through multiple, still hands you the wrong food, and it's just a mess. So. The one time I went through there, I, all I wanted was a Happy Meal because for me, the portions were per- perfect because I was at late at night. I ordered my Happy Meal with nuggets and sweet sour sauce, double fries, and I get up there <laughs> and... It, I think it was the same dude. He hands me and goes, here's your sad meal. What? <laughs> I look at him. Like, We're going to compare notes as to what this I'm guy like, looks like. because, And I'm like, happy meal? No. Sad? <laughs> okay, wait. Okay, is he super like, that. was he like super high? Yeah. Okay. It's definitely yeah. the same guy. He's like really high every time. That's why he doesn't know what's going on. He's like, he's in a different atmosphere. <laughs> this guy. <laughs> I don't know his name or anything because I just look like he makes me so mad. I'm I worked in customer service for a long time. I worked in the wedding industry. So like I I understand how crappy it is to have people be mean to you when you're just trying to do your job. But I get frustrated with him because like it's just so ridiculous. It's like, come on. (laughs) Like it's Mm -hmm. it's just infuriating, actually. So. Shout out to that guy. (laughs) Man's getting ripped apart on a podcast he's never heard of. (laughs) Oh, my God. It just makes me wonder how many people are talking about me on their podcast. (laughs) No one. This jerk. This. (laughs) What does that mean? What do you mean no one? No one cares about you. Okay. I hate Alex is my beef. They cared enough to steal his social security number. That's true. Maybe he's got a podcast. He's like, I, I took this jerk's social security number. He doesn't even know. <laughs> Maybe. I think, I, I don't oh know. Oh, my God. I, I've had beef with so many just, like, common people I meet in the world. 
It's like maybe they got beef segments on maybe, their podcast maybe. and they're they're talking about us. Maybe. You know something I've noticed about fast food places now is it's What's all self ordering. And for the most like a lot of places. I don't know about here in Buffalo, but elsewhere I've seen like McDonald's. Whenever I travel, the McDonald's is all self ordering. It's always or, like, on the, the road, you see. Self ordering on yes. the screen. And I, went, I love that. See, I do my anxiety loves that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I just can't help but realize that society is very disconnected from each other. Like we're we're getting less social. The I more feel like we're connected to social media. I feel like I'm connected with people. I just don't want to talk to people all the time. But that's the thing. But that like my anxiety loves that. But then I'm also like I'm not challenging myself to talk to people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, and maybe that's fueling the anxiety because you aren't exposing yourself to that many people. Yeah. Yeah, but. F- <sighs> I've never had a connection with somebody behind the McDonald's desk. It's give no, me my, my nuggets, and they're like, "Great, I got you." You and never had that nuggets. moment when he's handing you the or they're handing you the bag, and your hand slightly touching. Like, oh, never in my life. Never had that never, connection. Oh, never has it fueled my anxiety or lessened my anxiety talking to a McDonald's worker, and like not saying anything against them. They're doing the like, yes, I'll get you your order. Thanks. Doesn't Natalie work That's at it. McDonald's? No, Nat works at uh, Mississippi Muds. Oh, I don't Way know different. why I thought that. Why did I think that? <laughs> no driving M&M, at Mississippi Muds. Now, see, like we go there and we'll torment her, and that's a connection, but. I can relate to that so badly because I worked at Adrian's on Grand Island, which is like the Grand Island Mississippi Muds, except for it's not on the water, but that's where everybody goes for, for ice cream and stuff, and people get insane with their ice cream orders. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I couldn't do that. That's not for me. Well, okay, so side story. I went to this crepery in New York City. <laughs> when you when you, you would go to a crepery. Dude, I love this. <laughs> that sounds amazing actually. <laughs> right by where we were staying, it looked so good and it was great. So what's the beef with that? <laughs> you know what, DJ? Me, Alex, and Taylor are going to go get crepes after this, and okay. you're not invited. Has anybody gone to break in eggs in Williamsville? It is a crepery, and it is the best breakfast food you could get. Like, they have an Eggs Benedict over a crepe that is amazing. And then they have dessert oh my crepes, God, I too. I love Eggs Benedict. Oh, you need to go to break in eggs in Williamsville on Main Street. Get there early. They only are open until, I've like, never... 2 o'clock. I've never been there because they're always busy. There's when I a go. reason why. It is <laughs> okay. so worth it. So we're the three of us are going to go on a date there, and then DJ can breakfast. stay home, and we can send him pictures and be like, "So sad that you're missing out on this because also, you had to be yeah. they also be about crepes." They also have croissant beignets. <laughs> oh, I'll show you a picture of these crepes because these were like dessert crepes too. Yes, um, delicious, but absolutely delicious. The, yes. the point was. <laughs> Continue your point. I'm sorry. We totally it hijacked. Was also, it was also um, self-ordering on a screen. You walk in, there's two screens. And as we were like finishing our order, we were trying to say pay. And it was like, you didn't choose if it was for here to go. And so we mm. went back. And we did choose for here. But it just wouldn't let us pay. And we're like, nothing's working. There's people sitting there. Nothing's working. Someone's on the other screen. The worker's just standing there at the counter just staring at us and we're like it's not working and they're just staring they're not (laughs) saying anything they're not helping but like then we had to walk up and order there what is the point we could have just ordered at the counter i relate to that and it's such a small place like there was no need for those okay but it's in new york city but circling back to that i always have problems with top self-checkout 
Now, part of it is my problem because I pressed the wrong button when I want to enter in my bonus number. Um, and I instead press the item number and type in my bonus number in my items instead. And it's like, that item doesn't exist. Well, yeah, it's my phone number. But <laughs> So I relate to having that look of, okay, I messed up or this thing isn't working right. And you're just casually looking at the person who is working in that area. Be like, yeah. can you help me? And they start walking away in the other direction. And then yep. you're just stuck standing there. So I relate. Yeah. Do they still have the machines from like... Like the first ever machine that was created. Yes. Yeah. Like that's why you have so many problems with them because they're old. Mm. They're so ridiculously old. I stopped going to Tops. I can't do it. Mm. Aldi has self checkout <laughs> now. I don't like Tops. Really? Yeah. It's the one that's on the boulevard. They have a self checkout line. And I'm like, oh my god, Aldi. Wow. wow. Their whole thing was the uh huh the bagging yourself and yeah. fast yeah. cashier. Wow, times yeah. are changing, folks. <laughs> yeah, I have one more, one more thing. Okay, go for it. I went to Whole Foods the other day because my parents live right by there, and they have a new payment method. You just put your palm, <gasps> okay, no. over this uh, scanner. It scans your palm. What does that mean? I have read that. I have seen that. Mean? I've seen articles on that, and like they will take your palm um, print so that way they can recognize it, and that's how you pay. So yes. people, it's paperless, um, cardless payment where it will link like your payment you, method yeah. to your palm to your hand. Palm. Yes, like a fingerprint, but yeah. your palm print. This is literally like sci-fi stuff. Like they used it's to have like happening. the chip in your arm, like touching yes, things that they would predict. Happening. But it's happening. What? But how? Like, it, did did yours the, work? I didn't do it. You have, you have to, you have to get set it up. Palm? What the heck? <laughs> I would give them my palm. What are they going to do with your palm? No. My numbers are out there. I'll give them whatever they need now. I DJ mean, is not gonna, <laughs> is not about to give his palm and be set up for a murder or something. Um, well, it's similar to like the face ID on your phone. Mm-hmm. So yeah. in that regard, it's like, well, I already gave him my face. <laughs> What's the difference of me giving right. the palm? But um, yeah, you just first put in your information. Then once they have that, it's connected to your palm. Well, see, that, I feel like that was the, the thing with threads. When threads first came out and everyone's like, no, they take your information. I'm like, dude, you are posting that they take your information on Facebook that already has all of your information. Like, let's not be stupid. <laughs> Please. I think, did I talk about this already on here? There was a class action lawsuit with Facebook that you could <laughs> get um, if you were you know, on Facebook from, I think it was 2007 to 2012. Um, 17 or something like that that your information was most likely stolen yeah. and that they were no selling kidding. it and they were selling Duh. it so the class action was like okay i guess we'll give you a little bit of settlement money <laughs> yeah here's money but it's like they, every, every you're got you got a phone in your pocket yeah. you're got doesn't matter and everyone's like no no don't don't trust threads Thre- threads is the least of my worries right now dude i i got a computer in my pocket that listens to whatever i say yeah. You know, mm-hmm. you know those like ancestry DNA kits. Yeah, yeah, like twenty three. isn't I there like one. something where they're like tracking DNA or something? Yeah, so I got one years ago because I was so interested in knowing mm-hmm. like my ethnicity. And I feel stuff. like everyone goes through that phase. Yeah, and then my dad got it in my head. He's like, "What are you doing? They're gonna take your DNA and do whatever. Like they're gonna know everything about you." And I'm like. Okay, and so I never did it. <laughs> so what? I don't know yeah. how true this is, but apparently, again, I don't know the truth to it, internet, um, they will use Ancestry DNA and like 23andMe to help solve cold cases where there's oh, um, DNA that's unidentified. So then they I find like that. the um, relatives that are related to it and then try to figure out, okay, this person matches the description and their percentage of having this DNA would be this, this, and this. 
Yeah. Yeah. Like they market things like this as, oh, it's fun and, and to find out where you're from. But then behind the scenes, they're also using these for other what? Okay. reasons. Can I just, may not I like, ask, not maybe like, what are they going to do with Alex's no, DNA no, no. from North Tonawanda? <laughs> they're going to clone her. We need her, her DNA. Yeah, yeah, they could clone at We some need point. one more of her right now. Like. <laughs> No, but like you're might, out there. No, Doesn't the world might. need more Alex? I'm just <laughs> saying. Um, but okay, not that I would do anything. But if I ever went crazy and did something, now they have my DNA. Oh God forbid you go crazy and kill people and then go on the run and they don't ha- they can't track you down. That's that's what you're worried about. She's looking out for number one right there, and I respect yeah. that. <laughs> we don't know what future you's up to. <laughs> That is crazy. Maybe we should cut that from the podcast. That's very incriminating. (laughs) It's not that, like, I will ever do anything, but just the principle of the government taking something that's yours. The government already has me. I know, but, like, it's just the principle (laughs) of They can strike me down right now if they wanted to. It's just the principle. Like, we're giving them so much of ourselves. Yes. They already have us. I know, but like so, so uh, whatever I give is like you already have this. So we shouldn't give them any more. There's no more to give. <laughs> <laughs> they got me. They got me inside and outside. And that's why we don't have the energy for social interactions at the drive-through. <laughs> <laughs> what a full circle moment, man! <laughs> that was satisfying. <laughs> <laughs> All right, okay. my beef is a curve. Oh, we still have yours. Yeah, I didn't get. I didn't. <laughs> we're talking about your beef the whole time. Um, this was this was one I wanted to get out on the podcast. I don't know what happened, but I didn't get to talk about it. So I this was after we talked about the spider and the spiders <laughs> yeah. on the episode. Then I went to my dad's. We watched Only Murders in the Building. Great show. Um, and I'm going home. And I'm listening to a musical that I really like. And I'm like, I'm going to take the long way so I can keep listening to this. I see something crawl across my dashboard. And so I'm done. I'm biggest fear of spiders. If you listen to the podcast, you know this. I was panicking and like I, I had to pull over somewhere. So I pull in front of a firehouse and like a big sign, no parking. I literally <laughs> just turn the car off. I open my doors. I get out and I just I stand there. Maybe we're looking at 15 minutes and I'm just waiting to see it again. So then it comes out. I take my shoe off and I squish it against my uh, my windshield. And like that took a lot of courage. Like my heart was <laughs> pumping. So I squish it. And I look at it at the, in on the windshield, like okay, I I got him. So my, the bottom of my shoes have like the holes, like most shoes do. And I see it in between it, and it squirms its way out. Oh my god! And so I take my, I got body spray in there, and I start spraying them like crazy. It is now lost, kind of like by where my keys are, and I'm like, I'm not, I'm not getting in this car. I don't care if the fire department comes out and <laughs> blows up my car. I'm not getting in it. And so I, I called my sister, and my sister's like, um, yeah, mom will, will be there. So, like, I don't know what my mom was going to do, but I, I wasn't driving my car home. Like, I, I promise you I wasn't doing it. So eventually I, I find it, and I kill it before she gets there. And that was the worst drive home of my life. <laughs> I was literally, like, making myself as small as humanly possible. I was – booking it down Niagara Falls Boulevard. I'm like, I got to get out of this car immediately. <laughs> and um, I actually passed my mom on the way, and I'm just flying. And and I, I got out. I didn't see one again. But it started – I saw a web in my car. It was, this was after we got – right after we got back from North Carolina. And I just see a little web in my car in the back seat, and I, I, anxiety through the roof. 
<laughs> so the next few times I got in the car, it was just horrifying. And then I see it. It was small, but it was still in there. You know what? Good for you, though, for taking it on and, like, trying to kill it. I personally don't kill spiders. I try to release them back outside because no. I, I love – I have a love of spiders. Ugh. I do. I, I – you I would hate that. this, but I even have um, a driving buddy spider. Stop. Stop. I, no, you oh, don't. I do. Hold on. Hold on. I do. And Stop. I, I, no, and I talked to Callum about this, leaving rehearsal one day, and because there is a spider, spider that lives in my rear view mirror, and every now and then I'll come out and it makes me a new web. It makes me no, and like I will see it like when I'm taking off and it's there and it's like holding on for dear life, and then it will scurry in behind my rear view mirror when I reach a stop sign. You are sick. That <laughs> Okay, so I I am not like as afraid of spiders as DJ, but on the spectrum from Taylor <laughs> to DJ, I'm a little closer to DJ's yeah. end. But I still find that a little wholesome about you. I'm no. not gonna lie. Like that's a little wholesome. I respect it because it's like I wish I was that person that could extend my love and care to a spider. I just am not that person <laughs> i love animals i love like i i just can't now, if that spider went in my car we'd have a little bit of a different discussion because it would have to get out of my car because i don't want to be driving then all of a sudden it's scurry across my hand or something but that's the worst outs- thing i can think of outside <laughs> in my rearview mirror i'm i'm fine with that you're in the outdoors that's your domain inside my car is my domain we're good. So, DJ, the next time you have a spider in your car, just call Taylor up and yeah. she'll come and rescue the spider <laughs> and she'll have two spider buddies okay, in her on. car instead of one. Now that I'm reflecting You have on another it. mirror, so one could live on the one side oh and the God. other could live on oh the other side. Oh, my goodness. Yes, and spooky It's like a little here. apartment complex for <laughs> spiders. And reflecting on this, I'm realizing now that this is not the first interaction where I've had an emotional attachment with a spider because I had one living in the corner of my um, room once. And I named, Stop. No. I had Stop. two. I've heard this story. And I named them Thelma and Louise. And they were just little silk spiders that would just chill up there. Yeah, okay. And what what were they doing when you were sleeping? Just chilling up scurrying there. Around, scurrying around. No doubt in my mind. No, okay. All right. around. No. There was They're more active at night. <laughs> no, I, I, they stayed up there. They were fine. It's not like wolf spiders that are big and honking because those I don't like. I took a hammer to one of those once, but. Oh, I couldn't get that close to it. My hand's too close to it at that point. It takes like, I, it's, it's actually. How did you get your spider out of the car? It was all right. So it was crawling like on the edge. So it went around my seat. I hope mm. I'm convincing myself that there's not more than one spider in my car, and this was it. It crawled on the other side of my seat and started like crawling outside of my car. So I could have let him land, but I stopped him. I stopped oh, him. Oh Taylor is like about to like cry. <laughs> She's like, it's not for me, but I understand like people don't like spiders, and I understand that. That happens, but you know, I can like, see you owning a pet tarantula. No, oh, I would. Please like, don't. I absolutely on your would. She right got now. really excited. Okay. I wish that <laughs> someone could see her facial so, expressions. So now like, this is making me think about another spider. There was a spider in the music classroom that I was in, and I named it Itsy Bitsy. And every now and just crawl on the ceilings, and the kids would freak oh out. Oh my like, god! I'm like, guys, the- relax. It's just Itsy Bitsy, and then they'd be okay. That's horrible. That's so funny. So, Taylor, would you say uh, maybe the spider is like your spirit animal maybe. or something? Stop. Maybe you're like spiritually connected to spiders. No. I know my Halloween costume. Uh, <laughs> DJ's going to be like, get out of my theater. <laughs> I I get this this like horrified feeling that like like when it's just me and a spider in a room together, like 
it it's really a fight or flight thing. And the only thing I can equate it to is in in the early seasons of Walking Dead when they have to kill a, a zombie or something. <laughs> oh my god! It is literally that amount of fear and like it, something just builds inside of me. It's like I gotta I gotta attack this thing before it attacks me. And and either I kill it or I miss and then I run. And I just don't stop running. <laughs> so you basically have arachnophobia, like legitimate. Yeah. Extreme. That no, like sounds extreme, like yeah. actual because like fear of spiders. I feel like like, you know, like we said, most a lot of people have like like me, for example, I don't love spiders or bugs or whatever. Like I will try to get rid of them. I wouldn't say I'm like that. Yeah. Yeah. Upset about it though. So I feel like that's like arachnophobia level. No, it is for sure. (laughs) There is I was in the bathroom once at my dad's and I I was just peeing. So like I'm standing, I'm just doing my own thing. Well, I have to set (laughs) because I I turn around. (laughs) So like I have to set the scene. And I turn around and there's just a, a fat wolf spider sitting on the floor in the corner. Like just just sitting there. And so I'm like like I I freeze. I completely freeze and like I'm done at this point. So I, I, I freeze. It starts running at me. Like, yeah. I swear to you, it starts running at me. That was the scariest moment. I take the tissue box and I smash it and smash it. Like, I'm smashing it to the point of, like, tears coming out of my eyes. See, like, I'm, I'm more in line with you on that because oh wolf God. spiders are a different breed. Those are different. Like, daddy long legs, silk spiders. Hell yeah. The squag, like, with the long legs that are just kind of skinny. Yeah. I'm all for that. But the wolf spiders that look like they can, like, chomp down oh, on yeah. you. Are I'm those not... the ones that can jump? Yeah, yeah, but no. that's different than Mexican jumping spiders, which are really cute. No, they're and like, cute. I the actually was just about to say that <laughs> because no, they do I, little little I don't know how I came across this because I don't appreciate insects or bugs or anything of the sort. But for some reason, Instagram thought that I needed to see this reel on this lady who has um, jumping spiders. Yes, I follow her on TikTok. Okay, I don't know why. Maybe it's your fault then because you send me stuff. I don't really know. <laughs> For some reason, the algorithm was like, you need to see this. And they are really cute. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't think I'd ever want to touch one or anything. But I can watch her videos and be like, that's a cute spider. I actually think it's adorable because they have like the big eyes. Mm-hmm. They're like the little Stop. fluffy cats of yes. spiders. But they're not though. They're not. No, they're really oh. cute. No, because they have eight they legs. They have big. Li- they, they have those legs. big and eyes jump at though. You. Those little big eyes. You would really look into the eyes of a jumping spider and kill it. I have... no, I wouldn't look in the eyes. I would just start smashing it. <laughs> no, now, that's DJ, so sad. They're I so ha- I can find a gif of a jumping spider just doing this cute little dance thing. Would you be willing to watch that? No, I've it's a seen gif. it. I've and seen and they do their dances. No, that's, but like, that's little, horrifying. But there's versions of it that like they put little maracas on the picture, and it's really- <laughs> it's horrifying. Because the thing is, the thing about spiders is like you just know if they were our size, we'd all be dead. We'd, we'd all oh, be I disagree. Who would no. think of something like that though? Because- if, a, if 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 a spider's web was as thick as a pencil, a pencil's not that thick. If their web was that thick, they could catch an airplane. Yeah. If spiders? they get any bigger, if if our environment allows them to get any bigger, wait, 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 we're DJ, done. Hold we're on, finished. Hold on. Spiders you know aren't... those huge spiders in Australia and they haven't yeah. taken over the world? Yeah. So if those get any bigger and these wolf spiders get any bigger and they keep growing, we're done. But we're I all have finished. A, I have a separate <laughs> argument to this. Like, do you know how Kevlar was made? No. It was made at DuPont as um, they were trying to recreate the strength of spider webs. And that to this point, like they were trying to have the lightness because spider webs per its density is like one of the strongest things that we have. So they were trying to recreate that. And 
if we had big spiders, we can just harvest that then instead of having to make it ourselves. Yeah, but we won't be in control if we have big spiders. <laughs> but think about, but I, I also, again, on the flip side, I think of like, okay, if the roles were reversed where we were the size of spiders and spiders were the size of us, we still have people running away from spiders. Not all spiders are going to be like, oh, we're going to kill you then. I I'm I my like anxiety is through the roof thinking about a spider. Okay. Like, I think we need to change thing. the subject for DJ's health. Like if a, imagine just a spider in this room, like the size of me right now. That I can't think of anything scarier in my life. That's it. That's my hell. If I die right now and I go to hell, oh, I am I am a huge. Ooh, that oh, ah, the I hate that scene. I know. No, I hate all those scenes. It's cool. Like I'm fascinated by them, but I'm so completely horrified by them it's not even uh, funny taylor would like take it home and like be like hi little friend you could be my new buddy oh my god that would be taylor's new roommate no, and, then, and then when you're sleeping it would tie you in a web she would cuddle and with suck it. the life she out would of you cuddle with it well at least i'd be sleeping then so i wouldn't notice <laughs> oh i can't i'm i'm crawling i'm crawling right now all right our beefs are all out there Oh, uh, I'm I'm like very uncomfortable now. I got to be honest. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, Wait, did you give your beef? I well, I my original beef was something else, but then I talked about the McDonald's guy, so I feel like that's more accurately my beef. But I would like to present a podcast segment. I yes. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Let's do it. So uh, I really like those YouTubers and like those social media people that read off reddit stories so i feel like most Mm -hmm. people have seen a version of this um so it's they read this really like scandalous or very like controversial reddit story and then it's literally just like a group of friends just like us like sitting reading these stories and they talk about it so they like talk about it as if like they're like pouring the tea like this is like their friend their other friend or something like that I I really like them, um, so I think that would be a cool thing to do here. But the twist would be that you pick theater-specific Reddit stories, which I feel like there's a thread for everything on Reddit, yeah. so I feel like there's yeah, definitely, there definitely a segment. So I feel like that would be... That is my request. I would love to hear you guys do, like... And I do request to be on one of those segments because... <laughs> I listen to these all the time. Like, that's my favorite thing to listen to when I'm, like, getting ready or doing my makeup or doing my hair or whatever I'm doing. Like, if I have time to get ready and I, like, want to listen to something while I'm getting ready, I love listening to those. So I, I would love to hear a theater version. I also don't know of anyone that does a theater version. I feel like people just read off, like, scandalous ones, like, yeah. of all different topics. I've never heard, like, a theater-specific one, so... I think that would and be there fun. is yeah. theater subreddits like there's a whole subreddit. There's gotta be. There's, there's a whole subreddit thing dedicated to a Milky White from Into the Woods. <laughs> what? Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. But what? <laughs> no, it's because like Milky White is like a notoriously weird prop to make, and you have to decide if you're going to have a person acting it out or if you're actually going to build this cow. And there are so many duds and so many stupid things that happen with that prop <laughs> that people just share it on the Reddit. Yeah, I think that'd be fun. Yeah, I also think, I think it, we should do that. I think it'd be fun if we got like we try to get anonymous stories from our people. <gasps> like Ooh, the plot cast thickens. a net out to just like everyone who's done a show here and just like you have an anonymous 
theater story or not anonymous. I would share one that's not anonymous. Like, mm-hmm. I just, but I feel like I've already shared everything I yeah. got. So, but like, that could be fun reading through that and then us talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. So I, that's, I would do that. that's my podcast segment idea. I don't know if that's like something you ask your guests, but I just decided I was going to let you know. I love it. <laughs> I love suggestions. Yeah. We, we yes, want... I do too. I just took it upon myself. What that's you a good want. One. Yeah. Thank we you. love getting suggestions. So if you have them, send them our way. There's a difference though, because that was my beef one of these times. And I don't want to sound like a, a two facer. Because I was like, people were telling us how to do the podcast and not suggesting. They're like, you need to do this. You need to do that. Mm. And I don't like that. But if you kindly suggest something, I love that. <laughs> DJ, you know me. I'm kind in all of my yes. memories. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't like the critiques of like, no, you did, you did this wrong. It's our podcast. We didn't do anything wrong. I think that's very odd for somebody to straight up say to you that you're doing this wrong. You need to do it this way. Especially with this because i feel like podcasts are becoming more of the um a creative outlook for a lot of people who aren't drawn to other things yeah because it's like you you're doing the whole production side of it which is honestly in itself difficult to make sure like the levels are right and making sure you're using the program that you're familiar with and all of that stuff but also having the ability to have a topic to talk about and keeping it relevant and keeping it fun it's a nice creative outlook and honestly it's a reflection of the people who are on it so if you're listening it cool it's for you if you're not listening to it then it's not for you right mm-hmm. i agree with that me too all right so we got everything else out of the way let's start uh talking a little bit about spiral staircase the three of you are all in that um alex i feel like i don't get to talk to you about the shows that you're in on here because it's just we're interviewing who's ever on <laughs> yeah uh, so I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna start with, oh, with start you. With me. Yeah. Uh. Um. I. <laughs> well, because like I I don't know. I feel like I would just never ask you this normally. Like when when we had a different guest on. So now that we're getting all spirally, <laughs> I'll, I'll shoot it at we're you. We're getting spirally over here. <laughs> we're also getting spidery too. Stop. <laughs> all right. I'm gonna start with Taylor then. <laughs> um, Taylor, how? <laughs> No, all right. I'll start with you, X. No, no, it's fine. You can. No, start. I'll start with you. I think you should start. It was with a joke. Get... <laughs> I'm in charge now. This is my podcast now. You're a guest. I'm captain now. Welcome. <laughs> welcome to the guest, or welcome to the podcast, Alexandra. Um, I would. How how has this role been? I've so I have I've directed it, so I've seen it five billion times at this point. I'm really happy with where we are right now. I've been happy with where we've been the whole time. Like, there's never a time of panic. So that's been. Real nice because I usually panic at least once. Um, how has it been to act without being able to talk? Background on your character, your character's mute. So how has that been to act through that? Um, to be honest, playing this character has always like this type of character is something that I've always wanted to do. Not necessarily mute, but right. Um, someone who really needs to express something with their facial features um like get something out other than with their voice and i feel like i have a strong facial like i have strong facial expressions and i like being able to emote without words so like getting the opportunity to do that is really enjoyable and also it's just to not have to not have words to memorize 
it's just it's a completely different experience because I feel like when I have to memorize words, I'm in my head a lot and I'm not necessarily acting. It's not as natural or relaxing. And I, I don't I want to get into a character that's more like I'm I'm not as anxious or I'm not thinking about it. I just kind of do it. Yeah, I just go through the motions and they come naturally to me. Whereas when you have to memorize words, a lot of times I'm in my head before I go on stage where I'm like, okay, what's my next line? And I'm so focused on what my next line is that I'm not present. So getting able to play this character where I don't have to memorize lines, I'm way more present. And I feel like it's making me a better actor and helping me grow as an actor in the direction that I've always wanted to go in. That's awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that. I think you're doing a fantastic job. And Thanks. I knew that this – it's not an easy part to just, oh, I'll step in and, and do this. And I think Amanda did a great job with it 10, 12, whatever, how many years ago we did it. And I think you're also just doing a fantastic job. And both are very different. But it's a lot of fun to, to watch you work up there. I mean I'm a fan of your normal work, your normal line saying work. But um, this was just such a, a different thing for you. So I'm it's fun to watch. Yeah, and I've always liked – more intense roles and more dramatic roles. That's just always what I've leaned towards. And so to be able to be intense, it's so much fun. Yeah. And I I love that I get that opportunity to be that way and not just like, oh, I'm saying these lines and like I really get to express myself on stage and like trying to reach the audience in the back. Yeah. Just with my face and my gestures. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. You're doing a great job. Thanks. Uh, now, this one is for both of you because I know both of you are very, very musically inclined. So I'm not completely familiar with, with both your backgrounds and don't know how much acting either of you have done. But was it challenging to take on a serious role like both of you have or like compared to, to being in a musical? It has been a hot minute since I've been in a straight play. Okay. Um. So my last like role that I can really think of of being in a straight play, it was for the um, play um, Out of the Frying Pan, where I was playing this landlord lady who was basically the comic relief. Okay. So having to play a more serious role in this capacity hasn't really happened to me. And when I when I would direct my shows with my kids, because I would tend to do straight plays with them because it would be a lot easier dealing with that than having to incorporate all the musicals and sound and everything that I do with community theater. Um, for them, because it's a kid show, I tend to lean more towards the fairy tales, the comedies, something more lighthearted for them to get the first positive experience in theater. Yeah. So it's been a long time since I've got to do something serious like this or even like spooky, really. Which is – it's wild because I remember back to auditions and I was very intrigued by, by both of you during auditions because, like, I I know your musical work and that's only one show too. Like, I don't mm-hmm. n- really completely know all of your, your work and uh, it was interesting to see because I've had so many different experiences casting people who are musically inclined to do a straight play and they're just – they miss the boat eight times out of ten, I would say. And you guys are the opposite, which is fantastic. Like that's oof, wipe the wipe the sweat off my my head on that one. But it was when you read for you read for uh, I can't think of her name Helen, I think in Night of the Living Dead. Mm-hmm. I'm like, 
she's really good. And I wasn't familiar with your background. So I'm like, she's got to just be like acting on the regular. And uh, I, you both just had like this spark in you. So it's like, okay, they can, they just are talented and can do both. And I think that, I don't know if I can speak with Casey on, um, for Casey on this part. Um, as far as the musical theater world goes, it has had a shift in the 20th century where it used to be um, singers who can act and now it's actors who can sing. Which I love. So people – like I have a very music-intense background. That is my background. And then the acting came in afterwards. So having to get my skills up to a point that could even match my vocal ability is something that I am challenged with. Yeah. So, Taylor, I, I've been on the podcast before, and the last time I was on it, I, I did say a little bit about my background. I you, This is your first time, so uh, it, if I was listening, I would love to hear a little bit more specifically about your background, if you're willing to share. Oh, geez. Not to put you on the spot, <laughs> no. but just so that we get to know you a little bit. In all honesty, my I don't want this to sound like stupid, but my acting background is through struggle because as I had to work so hard as a vocalist and as a musician because I have I have a learning disability that like all makes things a little bit trickier at times because it's an actual um, it's an auditory central processing disorder so when you say something like eh, my brain does not necessarily process it the same way and that could also happen sometimes with sounds or with vowel shapes and things like that so I would when I'm in my lessons with my um, voice teacher or anything, I would really have to focus on the shape of the vowels and the shape of the mouth and everything. So if I ever mispronounce somebody's name, I'm so sorry. That's my bad. I'm trying to work on that, but it's just something that I deal with. Um, so having that struggle and having to go through that, I found a place in music that I really loved. I found a home there. So then I started honing my craft there. Then I discovered plays and musicals and things like that. I auditioned at a ripe young age and like in middle school and everything and never got in. Oh. <laughs> um, but then um, the, those were all the school shows. But then when I went to community theater, um, I was welcomed there. So then my community theater background kind of grew and I started off really with um, NRTG. I did a show with them. Then it jumped to Grand Island, where I did a show with um, Parish Players, which is through um, one of the churches on Grand Island. And there I stuck for so many years. Um, and there I kind of like grew where it was no longer just acting in the musicals, but I was also starting to direct the music side as well. Like I got to direct the um, Wizard of Oz there, um, Shrek the Musical, which was a blast. Um, that was probably my favorite one I did there. Uh, we did Beauty and the Beast, where I got to um, assist and direct the music there. There were just – I can't go through that. There were too many shows. So a lot of my side is actually on the director on ensemble side as far as leads and having – memorizing lines and roles like that. It's much more sparse. So when I get those opportunities, I try to take them on and, like, think about the background and everything. But – I, I, I struggle a little bit more there. Like, I love the ensemble work, but I want to do more lead work and, like, lines work, too. So it's 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 different. Yeah, I asked that because I think the first time that we connected as friends outside of just, like, being castmates was 
we were talking like about our background because I'm a music teacher in a different capacity, Mm -hmm. a private voice teacher. But like, obviously, we had things to talk about that with that. But I actually also have the same exact auditory processing disorder. Oh, my God. When we discovered that, we looked at each other like, whoa, that and our experiences were very similar. I would say for me, my life changed when I discovered music because I did not grow up in like mm-hmm. a how like an artistic household by any means. My family is not really like into that kind of stuff. So that's something that I really discovered on my own. But it was the one thing because growing up, I everything was just so hard for me. Mm-hmm. But with music, it wasn't. It was the one thing I could do that I felt like I was really doing well at it and I caught on quickly to it and growing up I had never had that experience of catching on quickly to something so that just totally changed my life and I look back on my life and even socially I was so so it's funny to think about what I do now because literally what I do is connect with people and share my art and my craft with people that's what Mm -hmm. I make my living on and I grew up being shy to the point of I would be afraid to just talk to someone. I was an only child, so I didn't have siblings. I would literally, as a little kid, hide behind my mom. The only person I was comfortable talking to was my mom. Even my grandparents, who I loved my grandparents growing up, but they lived far away. So we could only talk on the phone for a lot of times. I loved my grandparents so much. They were my favorite people Like when they visited. But I was petrified to talk to them on the phone. I had this, this like, I couldn't even talk on the phone. Like, that is how shy. Because you would get the blurriness of when they're speaking back to you and you're not catching all the words. Honestly, it wasn't that. I was just afraid. I was afraid of the whole world. I was afraid of everything. It, it, It was like, and to think now that I, like, get on a stage and, like, pour my heart and soul out through song. It's like, such a weird thing. And like I said, like, all of my career, like all of my jobs up until this point has literally been connecting with people and talking to people like all of the time. So it's so weird. And people meet me now and think I'm like this really extroverted, which I, which I am now, but it's like, that was not naturally who I was. Mm -hmm. And it definitely was because music was something that it, it just transcended any of the other struggles that I had. And because of that, as I was learning how to practice music, I learned certain skills that translated into every other part of my life. So like academically, my grades shot up. So like even though I had a processing disorder and like needed certain um, – so like for tests, for example, like state tests – I had to get 100% extra time because I never would have been able mm-hmm. to finish. But it was so weird because because I learned so much on how my brain worked through practicing music, I would still get really high scores on everything to the point where with my IEP, people kept accusing my mom of saying like I had a disorder when I didn't to just like give me extra time because I was scoring way higher than anyone else right. who had the same wow. thing. This is a beef for me. And they would have me retested every single oh year. So I would have to go in in order to get the extra time and they would test me every single year because because my grades were high, 
but my mom was like her grades are high because she has the extra time yes. i yeah. never would have passed any yeah. of my tests because i physically would not have been able to finish them and i i didn't necessarily i don't know if i ever used the full 100 percent time but i used most mm -hmm. of it and it wasn't because it, it i like didn't know what I was doing. It's just, I just physically needed the time to process what I was reading and stuff like that. So, and I still scored, like I was on the higher honor roll, like in college, I didn't need that actually. Uh, but I studied music in college, so I didn't mm -hmm. need it because it was something that I understood. But like math, for example, I, I physically wouldn't be able to do it in the same amount of time that other people can. So I think for me, music was something kind of to tie in now I'm going to kind of tie into your actual question which um I started acting because I I was a vocalist and when you're a vocalist and you do musical theater and all of that um being the singing actor so that's a thing you, that term is more used in opera which is where I originally that I I consider that kind of my home base that's really in college that was my main training was opera so I consider that like my original art Same. form um so the way that you talk about acting in opera is very different um and like you said Taylor there is a transition with that especially with opera specifically because it's such a virtuosic uh, art form where you're a, not only uh, a vocalist and you're an actor, but you're also an athlete in a lot of ways. Oh, my goodness. And you have to train your body for so long. Like, I am so out of shape right now. If I was to pick up any of my rep that I was doing in college, I, I, I would get laughed off the stage. <laughs> I wouldn't be able to but do it. <laughs> you're bringing up an interesting point with opera, with the evolution of that, because it started off, like, when it first came out, you know this, where it would literally be a picnic. People would be gathered. It's a town event. They would come to this, and this is where the trope of throwing food on the stage came from. So they would have the scenes and acting and all that. But when an aria would come up, which they would want to see the show for, if the singer was doing a great job, everybody would stop and pay attention to it. If not, they would boo them off the stage. Like, it was a very rowdy environment, and they cared more about the music than the acting in that. And then it slowly evolved to the point where we get, like, um, the operas in the Renaissance and um, the, all the Italian greats. And then it's starting to turn more into the acting side and caring about the stories. So even from a history standpoint, it has evolved where music is less, not, I want to say less, but the emphasis is more shared with acting now. Yeah, I think for opera specifically, the expectation is that you are a singing athlete first. Mm -hmm. The acting is very secondary. Um but I remember in college, I, I, I feel like, when, and I think this is why, so I also, in college, I had a double major, so I also had a major in clarinet, so I played woodwinds all throughout my, for most of my musical, as I was learning, and as I was learning my, uh, you know, training on my craft, I was working vocally but i was also working on instruments which really made me a stronger musician um you know i i recommend that for every singer learn an, in an instrument as well it, it 
I think it's just something that Absolutely. really elevates you as a vocalist um, because it makes it forces you to become more comfortable with like sheet music and like reading and stuff like that. Oh my like goodness. That. The people who can sing but can't read rhythms. But when yeah, you know the tough. people who can pick up rhythms really fast, they tend to have instrument backgrounds. Absolutely. So one of the reasons why I stepped away from that side of of my training. So like I haven't picked up any of my instruments in about three years because I've been in my professional life more singing. Um, but that's one of the reasons why I really stepped into more being a vocalist because I just loved storytelling through singing. I, I just was so fascinated and so obsessed by it. And I did, a, an independent study with Holly Bulay, who is the most intelligent yes. human being on the planet. She's the vocal director for Buffalo State's uh, vocal department, which is where I have my BA in music from. And we, she did a one-on-one -on -one independent study with me. And she's gone to Juilliard. She's gone to Eastman. She like has studied with the best of the best of the best. I of did the not best. know that you did stuff with holly like she was one of my she was first, my mentor she was my one of my first voice teachers to get me ready for auditions and i may or may not have stolen her copy of the messiah me and taylor just have <laughs> so much yeah, in, so, in common it's I'm really sorry. weird I'm we like, also just just so that everyone here knows we also have the same car we have a vw bug she's hers is orange and mine is blue we just have a lot of weird stuff in common mm -hmm. but um i did this independent study with her on vocal literature and i did um she encouraged me to do a research uh, project on um, per, per, uh, performance practice and performance practice is basically um, where you accumulate different recordings of whatever piece you're working on. So I chose an aria and I picked a bunch of recordings of different people doing it. And basically I did this whole research project in like, comparing all of the different recordings and how every person did it differently and like analyzing how they did it differently vocally, how they did it differently, like emotionally and like basically just analyzing it. And then part of the project was um, me having a final product. So I was working on the same aria that I was researching and I basically just talked about like all of the elements I took from each one of those recordings that I studied and how I made it my own. So that completely changed how I think about, and I, I brought that into how I study acting as well. Mm -hmm. Um, so like, for example, Joanna is a really great example of that. I listened, I talked a little bit about this the last time, but I listened to like every single recording and I watched every single video I could get my hands on. And that's what I did. I just figured out like what, what works, what do I like? What do I not like? And then the important, the most important part of the process is bringing yourself to it. Right. So figuring out what you like and don't like from what's out there and then bringing yourself into it. And that's how you have your final product. So I think with something like Spiral Staircase, there is a movie, but it's totally different from the stage version to the point where my character is not even my character in the movie. No. That My character is two different people in yep. the movie combined into one person. Um, so it was for me, this process has been very interesting because ever since doing that, I rely on that performance practice as like 
one of the biggest parts of my process with preparing right. anything, whether it's learning a song to do at a gig at the piano lounge or whether it's doing more of a recital or concert setting or if it's something more like musical theater where I'm taking on a role. That completely changed how I prepare mm -hmm. for anything. Um, so with something like this, it I'm trying to describe it. It was weird because I had to kind of readjust that huge part of my process because it physically wasn't there. Right. Um, but at the same time, it was very freeing because I got to just like look at it and just and of course, DJ gave like it. He like we talked about like. Like you gave me tips on like, and you actually gave me a lot of tips that changed my character for the better, for sure. Um, but it was really just like the feedback I was getting from your vision and then just my own intuition and just mm -hmm. what I know from like acting. It, it's just, it's totally different. And that's been a really cool process, but it's completely freed me up as, as an actor, I feel like, because it just was so different. The other aspect, which I think you probably can speak on as well, because uh, you're a great musician and like you read the sheet music and like I know you know how to like analyze a piece of music, right? Love doing that, love theory. It's very interesting to because when you're singing, right, and you're acting while you're singing, you have to work within a specified tempo. You have to work within specific rhythms. You can't just put a pause somewhere because you want to pause. Yeah. Versus when you have spoken lines, there's no rhythm necessarily to right. like read. And you have to say the words within this amount of time or hold this out for a certain amount of time. Or there's a high note specifically written on, on this The composer note. does a lot of the thinking for you. The composer does a lot of thinking. Now, what sets apart a good singer, a, a singer, an expressive singer, whenever you w listen to an expressive singer they will always do something with what is written that maybe is different. You know what I mean? Um, and that's something I really pride myself on when I learn a piece. I'm always looking for those moments like, what did the composer write? Why did they write it that way? I love composers who write expressive pieces and do it well because they will write things for you like they'll put a high note in the perfect spot with the perfect vowel so that it can so that you can emote a certain feeling the choice of the it. word that they choose so that way it enhances the singing and i i don't want to keep bringing up sondheim but he is notorious for hiding things in his music yes. not just in the singing lines but in the accompaniment and you will hear themes come back and again it will influence the emotion that you're feeling even though you don't realize that's what he's doing and again this goes back to like the composers having such a say in how you are portraying it when you are compared to getting a blank script or a straight play you don't have all that subtext you do have the italics and the um staging and all that but it really does take on a different form where you aren't you ha i feel like you almost have more freedom and for me personally, that freedom can be daunting because I want to make the right choices, but I know that there's not necessarily a right choice because mm -hmm. it's just totally different. Also, coming off of that, I will use um, like art songs as an example. So an art song, it's basically like um, a piece that's written on a piece of poetry or something like mm -hmm. that. 
but it's not necessarily meant so it tells a story but it's not necessarily meant like you'll have song cycles where you have multiple art songs that tells that goes through a storyline or something like that but an art song is kind of like a very specific little mini story it's almost like a short Mm -hmm. story version of a musical where like you have this story that you're telling but it's, it's within a song and it's not necessarily meant to be staged or anything like that and with a lot of art songs the piano part the accompaniment is actually a character of its own yeah um and that's one of the things that i learned um in my independent study as well studying also the accompaniment um and that can give you insight on how to be how to express what you're singing because the piano it's almost like you're reacting like exact like on stage let's say you have a scene partner it's the same thing as having a scene partner, but it's so much more. You have to like interpret so much more because it's an instrument. It's not like a person, mm-hmm. but you're still reacting to it. Um, but yeah, it's just totally different because we have all of those index clues as singers, but that isn't there when when mm-hmm. you're reading lines. Oh, so that, it's really that was fascinating. Very interesting. Yeah, because I've never thought about it that way. Because I'm not a trained singer, so. And a lot of times acting is just feeling your way through a scene rather than dissecting like the technical aspects of dialogue. And, and, and most of the time there is not like, I mean, there is, but not as much as in singing. So something that I do when I study a song, if I really want to get a role or a story across and not just sing it, like if I really want to get something across... Um, I will think back. So I took an acting class in college and one of the biggest things, it was just like acting one 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 So one of the biggest things we talked about was like objectives and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. like a character, what is their objective and like having action verbs to like get to that objective and that's what you're acting. Mm-hmm. So that's how I was trained in that acting class. So something, and this is, I will train my students on this when we work on performance, like, cause like if you're a voice teacher, you're not just teaching them how to sing. You're also teaching them how to perform. Not just that, how to present themselves. The moment, that, the moment you walk into a door, you, that is part of your audition and you how have, you you have to teach them, okay, how you open the door, how you walk and how you greet them, how you are speaking. Cause the moment that you are talking in that room and introducing yourself, you're not just introducing yourself. You are testing mm-hmm. the space and testing the room for its residents and seeing, okay, where in this space am I going to be standing? So that way it sounds the best for me. Right. And so one of the ways I get that across is we will pick like, I'll pick buzzwords with them. So like we'll describe who is the character, what are they about? And then specific lines or specific words will have specific intentions. So like I'll ask a student if they moved their hand on a certain part, I'll be like, I'll ask them. I'll be like, why did you do that? If they can't give me a good answer, then we take it out and we do something else. I, you have to have an intent behind everything. So I take I take that part of my study with like singing and stuff like that. And I basically just put that into like the spoken words. So like if I'm saying something, why am I saying it? And why am I saying it the way that I am? And why am I moving my arm or having this certain facial expression? So I'm always thinking about what is the objective and what is the intent and how would my character portray that? And it's funny that you're saying that because for me personally, I have focused so much on that in such an intense way that for attacking uh, Mrs. Warren, I felt like I got a bit stiff and then 
I got to a point, like it just happened like in the last three rehearsals or so, where I am leaning more into my instincts and just doing things because it, she's kind of more of a wild character be- to begin with. Yeah. So I feel like the instinct needs to happen there. Like perfect example is um, on our last rehearsal when I am at the very end of the show and going freaking insane and you weren't here for this, Alex, but I started moving in a way that I normally don't move and it got me hurt. But you know what? That's okay because I learned, okay, maybe don't move that way. Instead, I'm going to be doing it this way instead. But just taking that chance and doing it a little bit differently of not necessarily knowing the why behind that, but making sure that it feels right and trusting my feeling on it. A hundred percent. Yeah. It's such a balance between like having reasons and like doing things intentionally, but also like going by instinct. It's such a weird like. And I think with when you're interpreting something as a singing actor versus an actor when you're singing something, like I said, you do have these parameters. So Mm -hmm. like you're kind of working within something that's been given to you and not to say, of course, as an actor, you're still like, you have to say the line correctly and like get across whatever the line is getting across. And obviously there's a written plot and stuff like that. So Mm -hmm. it's not like that's not there, but it's like I said, it's just different when you can do things in different rhythms and in different inflections and you can have a higher pitch voice or a lower pitch voice. And those are all things that you as an actor choose mm-hmm. how to do. And like your director will give you insight on that. But at the end of the day, you are making those decisions. So it it is very interesting to to have that much freedom in delivering something. Yep. It's really cool. But for me, I, um, as an actor, I feel like all of my acting experience, I get really from what I do as a vocalist, but I've been in plays before in high school. I was in every play every year. So I graduated a year early. So I was in the play as a freshman, a sophomore and a junior. So I did three, three in a row and that's it. (laughs) I've never, ever, been on a stage or done anything where it's just acting and no singing. So it's been a really cool experience. I think I, my confidence skyrocketed after Sweeney Todd. I feel like that was for myself. I feel like in terms of like what I've done with musical theater and stuff like that, that by far was my best performance of my life so far. Oh, I've been talking about that to like all my musician friends being like, this is like a completely different take of Sweeney Todd that I never like pictured. So cool. And I still yeah. think back to the day that um, DJ comes in and is like, all right, guys, if you're not here for this, leave. And I'm like, yeah, leave. <laughs> <laughs> like, we're we're going to try to figure this out. Yeah. <laughs> and it worked out so beautifully in that sense. And I lost my train of thought of where I was going back and connecting this. But, <laughs> but I'm like, yeah, no, having that freedom of having that um, ability to change and be able to do something a little different. And Sweeney was my first show out of pandemic. I have not done a show. Mine too. Um, other than then. gigging at a piano lounge, which is a totally different yeah. thing. Cabarets. Yeah, which I never, being an opera, I thought I was going to be an opera singer. I got a scholarship to study opera at a conservatory in Boston. <laughs> I thought that's what I was going to do with my life. So what a th- 360, I ended up singing jazz at a piano lounge. Like I never in a million years. Like <laughs> It's so weird because I studied opera and I 
everything I am as an artist and an actor and a singer is because of my beginnings in opera. I wouldn't be any, even as a person, I, I wouldn't be anything like I am now without that. But it's so funny because I haven't, I've done one thing professionally as an opera singer. I sang for Opera Day at Niagara Arts Cultural Center. Nice. That's it. That's the only thing. I've sung a few arias on stage professionally. Um, at the piano lounge, um, my pianist, Richie English, um, who's, again, one of the most genius people I've ever encountered he actually he's a composer and he worked with like the goo goo dolls and has worked with like a lot of great amazing like celebrities like one time he like just casually dropped in a conversation that he worked on christina aguilera's album liberation like he's like and he's (laughs) he's so humble about it you don't know a lot of this about him right away that he's just one of the most genius people i've ever encountered but he also was originally classically trained so we very much try to get a little bit like of that classical. So it's like not for the people who know. Yeah. So like we would bring in, we would do a lot of genre. Me and him got very experimental with like, how can we take this jazz song and put a little bit of classical in it? Or let's take this pop song and put a little bit of jazz into it. Or like, we were very, like very much doing our own versions of things and like melding genres together and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, that was such a different, so when you sing at like a bar as like an artist, I was like a resident artist there. So I had to just figure out how to be how to be a performer. But in the sense where like I wasn't singing a role, I didn't have a character. It was me mm-hmm. as a person singing. And that taught me a lot about acting because I had to act out what I was singing and tell us I'm always trying to tell a story or get an emotion from someone when I'm singing something. I never want someone to sit there and listen or watch me sing and be like, yeah, that was pretty. I I, I don't want that. I want someone to feel something. I didn't do my job. If you didn't feel something like that's great. I, of course, like I, I want to sound nice and like, I want people to be impressed by my singing. Of course, no vocalist doesn't want that, but if I didn't make you feel something, I, I, I'm not happy with and that. And that's what I bring up so often on here about when I direct something. You know, you put so much work into this and you try your, your hardest and someone's like, oh, that's good. Like either tell me you hate it or tell me you loved it. But I need a reaction because mm-hmm. – And a valid one. And like, a valid reaction, all right. yeah. Another beef I have is like when you are meeting the people after the show and they're like, oh, my goodness, you individually did so good. What does that mean? Yeah. What does that mean? Because I am working with everybody on that stage. If you are focused only on me, then you didn't actually take the show for what it was. Right. And if you focused just on me, then were you focused on me or were you focused on the actual character? Right. So. No, that's that's a, a good one because it, it happens way too often. And like when people come up after Sweeney and like, that's good. I'm like, okay, but like I've spent so much time on this and I can't imagine like singing and then having somebody like, oh, yeah, pretty nice. Like, No. No, it's there's so much more than just a pretty voice. Like that's definitely one of my biggest but frustrations. I think, I think that's also I don't know, like my personal experience is the people who come to see me, like Casey, are not theater people, are not musicians. They cannot communicate the same way or use the same words that I could like in um retelling a performance. Right. And I I don't know if that's like a culture thing that like we don't know how to compliment people genuinely yeah, or not because like even when you're getting a compliment from somebody, it's 
it's kind of odd sometimes. It is. Yeah, so it sometimes is a little awkward. Yeah. For me, I think a lot of people don't have, like you said, verbiage is a big thing. So like one of the things, for example, when I'm teaching privately is one of the first things I'll do with a student, of course, we'll go through fundamentals, right? But one of the other things I do is figure out what verbiage works for us because the way I describe mm-hmm. one thing to one student is going to be different than to a different student because different people have different ways of Are processing they a things. Student? Are they one who is one that you have to tell them about your intercostal and hour costals and um, suspending them outwards? Or are they one that's telling you that you got to do a hula dance? So that way you Exactly. Or are they a visual person where mm-hmm. you have to give them something to visualize? So there's a million different ways, especially at teaching voice. It's such like a your body is your instrument. So there's so many different ways you can get out of someone what you need to get out of them. And so one of the first things I will establish in the first few lessons is what kind of verbiage works for us. Or like if we nail a technique like breath support or like singing a certain high note, I'll ask them, I'll be like, what it, you just nailed it right now. What are some buzzwords you can tell yourself so that you could redo it every single time? I have a so perfect- verbiage is so big for that. So it's like when people are coming up to you, sometimes you have to understand people don't always have verbiage because like you said, they're not a theater person or a music person. So they have thoughts. They don't know how to say it, mm-hmm. but you can tell if it's by genuine. their facial expressions or like because someone can, have, can, can come up to you and be like, that was really awesome. Great job. Just like that. And you could be like, or someone can come up to you and be like, oh my gosh, that was amazing. That was so good. That's a totally different. So someone can say that was so good, but you can tell in their face and what the emotion they're emitting, if they got it or not. And then you could just be like, okay, they didn't have the verbiage maybe in that moment to say what exactly what they were thinking, but you can feel the energy that they did. Uh, like totally odd example of this like if i gave you the compliment oh my goodness your tongue was so loose <laughs> for you that's like the highest yes, praise i would love hearing that. alex and dj <laughs> what's your interpretation of that if i went up to some people like oh my goodness your tongue was so loose on that yeah i would have just asked what you meant by that like, <laughs> i wouldn't have i wouldn't have even asked i've been like oh thanks and just <laughs> walked away (laughs) like knowing what that is i'm like i can't give that compliment to somebody unless i know that they know what that means what what does that mean oh when your tongue is loose and you're singing like you are getting the like the easiest tone out of it like because when you're tense and you're singing it's it's the um the tone is held and you're like getting this tightness but when you're loose you can get the the tone is nice you're on pitch it's um easier for you to sing um, also your tongue yeah. um if you think about it so your tongue muscle is like right here <laughs> it's it's she's very pointing connect- at the bottom of her yeah, yeah. like so it's very connected to your vocal mechanism um and in general your tongue is a muscle right mm-hmm. and if your body is tense or your tongue is moving or your tongue is tense or your jaw is tense or your neck or your shoulders are tense while you're singing it will affect your tone so that's just like a very highly like that's something that and you talk about in a very deal. technical way that relates to acting too like if your body is stiff mm-hmm. you're not 100%. getting out that like what you mean to get out for your character 
You're just kind of stuck. That's such you know? a weird. I don't. If if I was it, a singer, singing is weird. Tongue is singing somebody's is crazy. like, dude, that tongue, that tongue looseness was insane. <laughs> off but the it's such a high praise because that's, cause that's such me. a difficult thing too. I'm like, gonna that's say one that of my biggest time. struggles. <laughs> your tongue is loose. <laughs> also, your tongue can prevent you from reaching certain parts of your range. Absolutely, you can be able to sing many notes higher than what you actually are are executing because of a certain tension in your body somewhere. Mm-hmm. The tongue is like one of the biggest culprits on why people can't sing a high note. Honestly, yep. it's, it's so the dumb. Culprit. It yeah. is. <laughs> I have people, when I do my voice oh. lessons, I'll have my students hold their tongue. Or stick out their or, tongue. And, and, or their uh, popsicle stick. Oh, the popsicle. Or putting the um, straw <laughs> underneath your tongue and you have to hold it while you're singing. Oh, I've never done that one. Oh, that one's a fun one. Mm, interesting. Okay, I have a question. Because I'm interested in taking voice lessons. And sometimes when I sing, like just by myself, whatever, I feel like I tense up right here a lot. Yeah, like, so where, that where is... See. Oh, just like my neck okay. area. Yeah, so that is... Um, so I would actually have to watch you like I'm more curious intently. about your shoulders on that. Oh, shoot. Yeah, it could oh. be connected yeah. to your shoulders, but you pointed more here, more towards your actual throat. Yeah. So your larynx could be raising possibly or lower i feel like either something is happening where your larynx isn't in a neutral position which means it's not moving it's almost getting pushed down it's one of those back of the throaty or tongue tension because you would feel that at the at the base of like your chin there so it could be that or it could honestly just be like your shoulders are tense and it's going up to your Mm -hmm. neck so it's hard to say unless i'm Uh, physically watching you and that's where Um, the hula comes in i'm always i'm always scared it's just like Something that can't be fixed. No, oh, everything can be fixed. Everything, everything. There's nothing that can't. I, I'm so passionate about this as a voice teacher, Taylor. You, oh, I know you feel my, the same here's way. Here's another beef I have. The word talent. No, that is skill that has been crafted over time. That is a buzzword to diminish the hard work that is there. Are people naturally gifted? Yes. Are people um, naturally born with less roadblocks? Yes. But if you automatically go, oh, I can't sing because I'm not talented lies you have to put the work in just like you would for anything else even people who don't have a good sense of pitch you can learn that a lot of people have the misconception that if you cannot match pitch right off the bat that you will never be able to do it and that is wrong now on the opposite side of that there are people out there speaking of scammers we were talking about that earlier there are people who will scam you and be like do you want to have perfect pitch Buy my computer lessons or something like perfect pitch? You can't learn that you're born with it or you're not, but relative pitch, which is what the most people have, right? Um, you can learn that a hundred percent. Um, there's a lot of different methods on how you can learn it. Um, if you work at it, there are ways you can do it. You can fix just about anything really tone quality, singing a bigger in a bigger range i mean really the 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 sky is the limit the location of where you're singing too yeah like that it's just like and like you said of course some people are naturally more naturally inclined than others to do anything right but that doesn't mean that if you have a passion for something and you want to do it and you put the work into it and you understand how it works you know if you have someone who's naturally gifted Versus someone who is not naturally gifted, but they work really, really hard and commit to the craft. The person who commits to the craft is going to get further than the person who is just naturally gifted and doesn't commit to the craft. So this totally circles Period. back to your early discussion and our discussion with um, 
five of well IEPs and like a disability. My master degree is in special education, and when we talk about people's natural ability, so you have nature versus um, nurture, and the ability to do something, part of the biggest roadblock is figuring out what impedes you and what actually needs to get addressed first. And this can be put into all kinds of aspects of your life. Like unknowing to you, um, when you were being drawn to music, you were actually giving yourself music therapy to be able to hone these skills so that way you could later on succeed in multiple capacities to the point where your teacher's like, oh, she doesn't need an IEP, which is so wrong and so illegal that they did that. Um, but yeah, like, it was intense. It mm-hmm. was like, she does too well in school. She doesn't need this. And it's just like, she t- my mom was like so frustrated. Like she's, she's like, passing and doing well. Time, so you can do like, well. And I'm also <laughs> wondering, why did they classify you as an IEP and not a 504? Because if you Because had- I excelled. No, <laughs> literally. No, they literally refused to. But so, like 504... An IEP is like um, a individualized. Lower, um, so you can explain this better than me. An I will IEP let you is it. an individualized um, um, education plan, and that is intended for eventually in the future. Possibly, you will not need it, so you have some sort of impediment under these um, eight different six six different classifications that qualify for you this for you. And the goal is okay. We're going to give you these little um, goals to meet. If you can meet them, fantastic. We'll change it out for a new one until you are self-sufficient or you do not need the IEP again. 504s, on the other hand, which is what you should have had, is um, for a diagnosis. So if you have an impediment that is diagnosed and that it is documented, that it will not change. And the auditory processing disorder that we have, by the way, is... You can't recover. You can't. There is no fixing this is it so interesting there's not like it's not like adhd where you can mm-hmm. take like ADD. there's no medication for it it's a no. processing disorder it will not change it's how your brain works because okay, i just want to say you I, can overcome it you can't that's how your brain works there's, there's it's nothing how it's you can do. and th- they would still continually have me retested every single time Which it would come so back that i had that it they severely <laughs> that they they should not do it the moment that you get that original diagnosis and done the correct way you should have been classified for a 504 yeah instead. it literally was because and other kids who had the same exact mm-hmm. thing had 504s because they weren't doing well it was so messed up and it was just like no i and my mom she really did she sat down with me and like helped me through homework and stuff and we figured out ways to like overcome Whereas, so like now, like, for example, in college, I never needed to register because first of all, like Mm -hmm. I said, I was doing something that I could do really well. It it was in my niche. It was what I wanted to do. Um, And like I said, with me, with my music study, it hasn't affected me as much as in other places of my life. So, but that's because I learned how to deal with it, not because it went away. Like, (laughs) like you can learn how to overcome something. Our disability in particular needs more attention because it's something that doesn't really wasn't really diagnosed until the 80s. And then when we were raised in the 90s, um, the form of diagnosing for it was very hard to diagnose. It was often misdiagnosed as ADHD. Um, I could definitely see that. There is a lot of similar similarities. Oh, yeah. But the thing with that is that because of it, um, therapies were not in place to help these people. And. It's so funny because when the studies were done on this, so many people with our disability were drawn to the arts because of the fact that it had these abilities to enhance what we were missing. Mm -hmm. And you can tell the difference of people who have this disability and people who don't, who were involved in the arts and who were not, and how they were able to move on with life. Now that I think about that, 
all of the other students that I knew of that had yep. the same disability that weren't doing well were not doing what I was doing in terms of like arts or like the an actual curriculum or like a craft or something like that. Misfits. I 100% I did not do well like so I started clarinet in fifth grade and that's really when I started getting very very involved in music and like studying studying music and the craft and singing and all of those things. My grades drastically changed from fifth grade on from like up to fifth grade, I was not a success. I was not what I had to go to summer school every year because I wasn't doing well. And then literally the exact year, everything changed from middle school on. Oops. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I something off the table. Excuse me. Um, from middle school on, I was a high honor roll, like getting nineties, like, and that wasn't with everything. Like for example, math, I, I had to work really hard at because that's a place where, my disability really mm-hmm. shows like I cannot do things in my head with math. I don't understand numbers. I can't process numbers. It's really, really. And I think that's why it's like, it doesn't affect me right now. It doesn't affect me through college, through an adult. Cause it's like, I don't ever have to sit here. Like you're not going to ask me randomly a multiplication question where like my mm. brain physically can't process <laughs> it. Like, so it's, it's interesting, but you know, like I said, when you learn a craft, especially music there's so much research that goes into um the amount of brain space you're using and the neurons that are connecting when you're learning music it just rewires you in the best way wow i my sister uh had an auditory processing or has but like it was she had an auditory processing disorder since she was very little and i feel like she never got the help she needed. and that's completely normal which is so sad it is so misdiagnosed because and i this is a personal opinion of mine this is not something that i took from degrees or anything um as a society we are so focused on what is exposed to us and our highest exposure right now when it comes to disabilities is autism adhd yeah. and add so because of that it's often to be missed when you are doing other things. Not to mention the fact that statistically speaking, women are underdiagnosed severely compared to males. Because we present differently. It's also proven that women can mask better than men. Um, Just in general, women can pick up social cues and like copy things and that's also Easier. the societal standard that that was upheld from a young age. That is that also true where we had we were expected to mm-hmm. be emotionally intelligent it, and expected to be. So it's like you had to be there are certain expectations when you're a woman that And also you I do those I don't things. know like when they started doing more research on this kind of they topic. gotta do more of it yeah so actually it wasn't, growing it wasn't up until the 80s and 90s that they really started kicking yeah. it into full gear as far as any sort of diagnosis with um special education related services yeah so it would have just been in the early stages when yeah. she was in school because my sister my other sister and i always went to like catholic private school and she had to go to public school just for more resources yep but even then i feel like they didn't have well, that, that's a whole other beef I have, but I'm not going to get into that with advoc- <laughs> so, advocacy. So, Taylor, it actually, it's funny that you mentioned that because when I was really, really little, um, I had to go to speech therapy. And I guess I, I don't remember this, but I guess I was making up my own language or something like that at a certain point. <laughs> I have no statement. And, You're just weird. Uh, yeah, I don't know what that was about. <laughs> I think it was because I was having trouble because I had a 
processing disorder, auditory processing disorder. So I think I was having trouble with like speech and stuff. So I think yeah. maybe I just creatively found a way out of that. If I created it myself, maybe I wouldn't have that struggle. I don't really know the, the psychology or like why I would have done that. But my mom was like, took me to the doctor and they told her that they thought I had autism. And my mom, it's not that she would have thought anything would, would be wrong with that. But my mom knew she was like, I know my daughter, that's not correct <laughs> and it was years until like they we she just kept pushing and that's when they were like okay well let's test her for this i guess mm-hmm. and that's what it ended up being but it was like yep. such a weird like thing where it's yeah. like but you have to seek that out yourself yeah like, you she really if she did not if she did not really aggressively pursue like figuring out what was going on with me i still to this day probably would have never yeah Especially parents also don't know everything, so they don't know where to go and where to look. Teachers aren't allowed to tell them what. So (laughs) if you are a special education teacher, when you are going through the process of getting your degree and getting your certification, you will have class after class after class where the instructor will tell you, you can't formally tell this to the parent because the school district will not like that. But you should still tell that information to the parent. Because it could hold you liable if something is held, um, oh if something is misdiagnosed, or if something is, um, um, or if the school district gets sued because they did not, because the parents didn't know that they were supposed that the school district was supposed to supply these services, and then they got the services, and they're like, okay, how did they find out that, that we were supposed to be doing this the whole time? Oh, the spent teacher. That's awful. It's, it's what? This is I, so backwards. Yeah, it's teachers deal with a lot. Hug a teacher a today. <laughs> you know, a teacher give them a hug. It's a mess of That's advocacy crazy. and knowledge, and it's not readily so available it's to like parents. The way around that to just kind of suggest lightly it's, suggest like they should get tested. It's you being in the parking lot, being like, "Hey, so you know your kid with this 504 or IEP." you may want to look more into this one thing that's related to this because I don't think it's happening. Or it's, um, there's within 60 days of a parent um, petitioning for their kid to get tested or for services to start getting um, documented, the school has to do it, but schools will stretch that out past 60 days. So that way then they're like, oh, it's under the school year. We can't do anything about it. And this push them along because the, and Buffalo in particular has a big problem with this because in Buffalo, they are claiming that they are over-diagnosing kids with disabilities. So they are now capping who are they are dis- oh um, diagnosing. Oh, my God. And it's crazy to say that DJ, anything is getting over-diagnosed because it's like the reason why the numbers are so vastly different now is not because more kids or more people have like there's this big debate where it's like why do all of these kids have adhd and never used to be that way that's because people were just running around not being able to function and no one cared or no one and it's not even that no one it was partially no one cared but there was also an ignorance where like we didn't have the information it's like why are all these people getting lung cancer from like before we knew that smoking caused lung cancer it's like do you know how stupid that would sound and be like what's happening that all these people are getting lung cancer suddenly it's like you were all smoking because you didn't know any better (laughs) like could you imagine if someone actually said that like why is this happening something is wrong with the world that this is happening to such a high degree it's just like no there's a reason it's just we were ignorant of it or didn't have the science or didn't have the and that's what's happening right now it's not that there's this 
huge up upturn in like autism or ADHD or or any learning disability. It's just people have been walking around with all of these things and we just didn't have the knowledge. We didn't have the science and and the there exposure. was a part of like a societal like it was a shameful thing to have a learning disability or like people who were seen as intelligent or socially you know socially capable well you can't have a disability because you know you're you're intelligent and you're socially capable like it doesn't well, mean it that was, you don't have a learning disability <laughs> it was always different in school because like it they would like alienate the kid with like adhd or something like yeah. which like once you find out like what that actually is is like that is like such a minor thing and it's like this is just a bad kid like <laughs> like kids mm-hmm. with disabilities can be bad kids without them could be bad like and it's just thank you the for kid. saying that because there is so many cases when i have students and their actions had nothing to do with their disability, right. but it was brushed aside and they themselves excused their actions and didn't take accountability because they know that they had this disability. Right. Exactly. But it wasn't related. Also, when a child is behaving a certain way, that is how they are communicating. It is not, there is, I like, of course you can look at a kid's behavior and be like, that's, you can look at a kid's bad behavior and be like, that's a bad kid, but it's really not. It's just that child is trying to communicate something and we don't know what it is yet. And that's why they're yeah. acting that way. Any type of negative behavior like that is because they are trying desperately to communicate something that they don't have the words for. Or maybe they don't even know that they're trying to communicate it, but there is always a reason. And yeah, so that's another and a soapbox. great space but... <laughs> for them to work on that is in the theater. That is really where my background goes back into is children's theater and the amount of work that I have done in that. Particularly, I had my students, they were in charge of sets, they were in charge of costumes, they were in charge of lighting, they were in charge of it all. I would give them the tools and how they wanted to facilitate that, that was their choice. And like one of my favorite events that we used to throw um, was a haunted house. And they would love making their zombie costumes. They would love creating their zombie character of figuring out, okay, how am I walking? Why am I walking this way? What kind of emotion am I feeling during this walk? And them being able to channel that. And my students that would act out in any other class were absolutely phenomenal with me because they knew they had that space to create. Well, see, and that's why not only art obviously is so important and we're obviously all big advocates of that being in theater, but like – we talked about this a lot on here too recently. Are, are teachers getting kids this exposure to to an outlet that they they can actually use to create and use to find like who they are or put this energy somewhere where like that is so important. So if you just have someone who's like, nah, I don't care. Like you're just a bad kid. Like that's that's all I saw growing up was like this kid is going to be in the corner over here. He has his island desk because he has ADHD. So don't be like this kid. It's like that's so horrible. Like what? thinking back of on all these oh things like God. that. I will say island desks does work for them. <laughs> it depends on the kid. It's not always a bad thing. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, sometimes it, yeah. what they're communicating is I need space. Like maybe that is what they're communicating, but maybe the kid who is acting out because they need more one-on-one attention or something like that, and you separate them, you're going to make the behavior worse. So it's like there's a lot of investigating. So I'm going to kind of plug in my job for a second because it's very relevant to to what we're talking about. So um, I work for Cleveland Playhouse, which is in Cleveland, Ohio, but they have a huge education outreach. So their programming is going national right now. And 
one aspect of that is CARE, which is an acronym for Compassionate Arts Remaking Education, and it's a social-emotional um, education kind of additive. So our teaching artists go into schools, and they teach emotions through um, play through like uh, monologues and stuff like that so they'll go through like scene work and stuff like that and talk about each unit is on a different emotion and different grade levels have different things but for example like the older kids they actually write their own screenplays and their own like little plays and stuff like that and their own scenes based on emotions that they learn about and the if anybody is interested, you can look it up. Um, Capital Care, C-A-R-E, Cleveland Playhouse. It's w- the first thing that if you click on it, you can see all of the research. Um, and the significant percentage that went up in social skills, in English learning, even kids' safety so like it went from like there was like a 20 or 30 percent difference between if a child was asked, do you feel safe in school? It went up by 20 or 30 percent after the program versus before. And they specifically go into schools with underserved communities. So these are students that really, really need it. My my job, I, I am partnered with that, but my job is the community development aspect where like I'm basically connecting community resources through an arts lens or through um we also do like family theater where they commission a playwright to write a play based on people's real life stories. That's and they're doing one on violence. We're doing one on violence actually, which is very, very relevant here in Buffalo. So I'm very proud. I just started my job in June and I'm really, really proud of it. So I, I kind of just wanted to talk about that. Cause so if anyone is interested in this topic, go look that up. Are they hiring? Uh, what was that? Are they hiring? Um, they are. Well, <laughs> I don't know. We could talk about it after. (laughs) We'll talk about it after. It's like, are you in a, like physically like have a physical location here in Buffalo or is it just, okay. So the way that it works, so it's through Cleveland playhouse, which is of course in Ohio, but they have expanded this program here in Buffalo and in LA. And it will expand further than that because of how successful it is. Hold up. Good on Buffalo for being on the same level as L.A. for yeah. getting so, the place to start. Yeah, that's so crazy. So we have a partnering. And so each city, so they have partnering institutions, basically. So here in Buffalo, it's all grant-funded and Department of Education-funded. It there There's a whole world with grants and nonprofit and, like, all oh, this yeah. that I'm new to. I'm not new to, like connecting community through art that's what i've done for a long time which is why i got this job but i'm very i i the grants and then all of that stuff is brand new that's to me. Us. so yeah i i'm learning this right I as do, we speak I, <laughs> I work on grants just not i might want to pick your brain um because it's something i'm learning about and it's it's so essential in the arts community but anyways um so our partnering institution is Villa Maria College. So Villa Maria College is paid by a grant to host us, mm. essentially. So, like, for example, I'm putting this in air quotes. I technically have an office at Villa Maria. I meet with, like, the teaching artists and stuff there. My job is really not there. My job is to go into the community and meet people and, like, do events, like, in the community and stuff like that. But... Um, so we do have a space and like, for example, 
um, my paycheck comes from Villa Maria. All of my benefits are, so it's the same thing. If I was a professor at Villa Maria, it's the same thing, but they're paid from this grant to host us essentially. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the grant pays for like my salary and all of that, but all of my benefits and everything, like I get all of their same paid holidays and all, like all that kind of stuff. So each city has like a, a partnering institution where like, that's where our paycheck comes from, and they're paid from a grant to host mm-hmm. us, basically. Um, but right now, we're in Cheektowaga School District. So that's where CARE is. Um, mm-hmm. But with my job in community development, um, Western New York is so interconnected. It's not just like... Oh, yeah. Like, we have Buffalo and all of... Like, we have Cheektowaga, and we yeah. have, like, the South Towns and the North Towns, but we're all connected to each other because of Buffalo. So, like... Um, I'm not necessarily like super limited to that because all of the communities are so interconnected that um, it, so it's basically lifting up not only this theater program in the schools, but we want to lift up the community around the schools because kids go home and like we want to extend past just being in the classroom yeah. um, to really lift people up and lift students up. So um so yeah, if if you were interested by that conversation we just had, definitely look it up. Um, it just started in Buffalo this year, and my part of it, community development, is brand new with my hiring in June. So I'm basically like creating this program here in Buffalo because it's different for every community. Um, we listen to the community and what their needs are. It's not like we come in and we're like, here you go, here's an art stuff, here's art stuff to consume, enjoy it. Like no, they want me to go in and like talk to people. And like figure out how how does this community want to experience the arts and what resources are already here that we can share with them through that lens. And you're doing this specifically in Cheek to Walk. Right now, CARE, the the program is in Cheek to Walk School District. The plan is to expand outside of that. I can't really speak on that right now, but there is definitely it's. We're basing we're basing our model off of Cleveland because they started it there. Yeah. So they've been going for a few years and ex- it expanded in Cleveland. So we're on the same track. Okay. So it will it it, it I think in it hopes to expand. I think it's more than hopes. It, it it will. Yeah. I I believe that it will. Um. From what I know, I like I said, I don't want to get too much because like a lot of it's not. Yeah. Like set in stone, but um, and that's why I'm like not limiting to Chitawaga because first of all our communities are all intertwined in Buffalo and Western New York. All, all of our communities are intertwined. Um, and yeah, it will, it will definitely expand. So, um, so it's not limited to that, but of course it's a focus because that's where our students are right now. Got it. All right. We're rolling up on the two hour mark. Um, any closing remarks from either of you two? Support the arts. Come on out and see the show. That's the biggest thing you can do for this. Like, not only does it create opportunities within your own community, it creates opportunities for the future. Absolutely. I love that. I second that. All right. I think this is a a very educational episode. Yeah, I loved this. This is great. Thank you. I think we did a great job having Casey and Taylor on. Yeah, we kind of overtook it with that. (laughs) We kind of went off, but in a cool way, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it works for me. It was a different episode. I liked it a lot. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Thanks yeah. for listening to our. I feel like me and Taylor are so passionate about like our rants, education, and and, and like 
all of that kind of stuff that and it's so important the arts don't exist without theater education and music education you don't you can't have the radio you can't have the movies you can't have any of it the stars have to learn from somewhere they weren't just born that way <laughs> like <Right. laughs> and it's so important it's not just about consuming media or like the money aspect right or like creating things for mass production it's also just about community and connecting with each other and lifting each other and humanity up. absolutely big things yeah yeah i agree thank you all for i don't know all your input thank you and thank you alex for being being a guest <laughs> thank you how does it feel alex being a guest for the first time <laughs> i don't really one know yeah. <laughs> not any different well we, we'll we should do that like i'll, I'll interview. interview you one I, of i've times. thought about that yeah. i actually have i had one idea for an episode it should, we should be getting voice lessons. Well, someone should come in. Uh, oh, like, that's oh so funny God. because you just happen to have two voice I know, teachers literally saying. Oh, my, they're a voice battle. We take on yes. one student each and come back with the same song. Like, oh. what's the different or, like, interpretations? Or, like, they talk about the technical aspects of voice and... Me, 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 me. Yeah, we could do a live... <laughs> we could do a live voice lesson. Like, yeah, testing your voice, like... A range that that would be interesting. I mean, that's. Well, maybe I mean, you don't want to. But there I don't are have range. there are people who do that. You like have range Natalie, and then you have your tessitura. What is what? <laughs> <laughs> so many things to learn, DJ. <laughs> Just stick with me and Taylor. You'll 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 learn a lot. We, well, that yeah. Shout between out, the two of us. <laughs> shout out to Taylor because when Sean said, "Oh yeah, remember when I told you I'm missing a week? That's happening next this next week during Sweeney Todd." And uh, my mind just exploded on spot. And then I asked Taylor, and I didn't really even know you a lot at the time, but I knew you knew just from watching you, like, you know exactly what you're doing. And can I say thank you for that? Because that's my theater high, living in that (laughs) spot. Like, I I love being on the stage, don't get me wrong, but I love the background stuff and the technical stuff on the sides. And that that is sort of where I live, and I'm like, that's my zone. Yeah. And that was fun to be able to step back into after COVID. It was so very helpful. Even for a week. People were looking at me, asking me questions. I'm like, I don't know. I don't even know what a tessitura or whatever that is. So. <laughs> yeah, I... I... So I being a private voice teacher, I can help people one on one. And I told everyone I was like, one on one, you can come to me, but I don't really do ensemble stuff. Like I don't conduct or Ensemble's anything like that. Where I live. Yeah, so me and either. that's where Taylor thrives. So like, I was glad that she was able to do that because I was like, I can help anyone one on one if you need help with like figuring out your rhythms or notes. And people did ask, but I I was very happy that you took over that side of it because I don't conduct or anything like that. So. I was also very happy. <laughs> and I was, come to me if you want one-on-one on acting, on your character. <laughs> don't ask me a music question. <laughs> Please. All right. That's that's all we got. Follow us on social media. Sorry Night Theater. Uh, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. TikTok. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, this episode was sponsored by JDS Electrical Inc. License and insured. Call 716-523-2711 for all your electrical needs. Thank you for sponsoring us. Thank you for sponsoring us. And thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening.